so glad we're still getting to have conversations. And um, once once again, I've thrown in surprises for Denise today because she hasn't seen the slides before we go. So it will be lots and lots of fun. Uh, and the but before we get started, you know, it's it's something where I I get to talk to a lot of people throughout just day to day and this is an easy and a hard conversation of advent to have because this time of year for a lot of people mentally and emotionally is a very difficult season and and i want you to understand that that's okay it's okay for it to be difficult it's okay for for sadness and for grief to to come into your life during this season. And and in no way is the, the message today meant to condemn you if you're sitting in that moment. Because uh, a lot of times I think we, we as the church kind of put this false sense out that during Christmas you're just supposed to be happy all the time, almost stupid, giddy happy. Uh, if you need a reference, uh, just look at the movie Elf and you're, you're supposed to be that character who's you know the best way to spread christmas cheer is singing loudly for all to hear and, and that's not reality that that's not the the real world that we go into and if you look at the story of christmas that wasn't the world then either the the world was full of people who were having real moments in life that hurt and and we need to as as the church we need to reach out and in love and meet them where they're at and if that's you i hope you understand god wants to meet you right where you're at it doesn't mean god's going to make you bubbly had too much eggnog happy all the time it, but it does mean that you're going to get to experience joy in in the midst of sorrow in the midst of hard times uh, some people get what they call the holiday blues which is just kind of a, a season where you're, if we're calling a spade a spade, you're going to battle depression. And that's okay. Read the book of Psalms. David battled it and he's a man after God's own heart. Read the Bible for exactly what it says. How many times was the Spirit of the Lord grieved? And when you look at that word, it will drastically change the way that you view God because God knows exactly how you feel when things hurt your heart and hurt your mind. So having said that, we're going to look at joy. And and I I went way back to an older Webster's def definition than Denise gave me on her notes, so she may or may not get mad at me. It has a lot of bigger words, Scott, back to Sunday school tie-in. Uh, and it's okay because we have hers here too if we need it. But this is what we think of most of the time when we hear joy. This is Denise actually has a shirt that says, Teaching is my favorite. Uh, and it's a play on this quote from the movie Elf Smiling, smiling is my favorite. If you can look at that face and you've ever seen that movie and you can frown at it, you're tougher than me. Because, I mean, 
something about that face just makes me laugh. Will Ferrell. But <clears throat> joy, according to Webster's, is a noun. The passion or emotion excited by the acquisition or expectation of good, that excitement of pleasurable feelings which is caused by success, good fortune, the gratification of desire, or some good possessed or by rational prospect of possessing what we love or desire, gladness, exultation, exhilaration of the spirits. That's Webster's like 1826 definition. Okay, if you go to dictionary.com or webster's.com, it reads this way, the emotion evoked by well-being, success or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. And I didn't put the verb in here, but the, the verb is to experience great pleasure or delight. And I'll blame old Mr. Webster for that because it's the very last definition that he put in his book. And he says it's very rarely used. See, enjoy. So <clears throat> me and Webster had a nerd moment. But uh, it brought us to a really good question. Where does joy come from? Where does joy come from? She asked. Are you the, waiting for? I'm waiting to for answer. you to jump in because you you asked the question initially. I just took it off your notes. I know your the verse answers the question. Oh, I gotta go to the verse. What? Oh, that's that, that that's not the verse. Where does joy come from? It comes from having a red nose that glows. Just ask. Okay, this is Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. So, I wanted you to put the verb definition in there. Because, because. So, one of the cool things about my job, my new ish job is that I can do things like kindergarten math and high school biology and fifth grade grammar all in the same day so um we do a lot of grammar and it's a struggle for some of us and so the grammar lesson here is that a verb is an action a verb is an action and so when joy is an action it it moves you Right, And so this verse says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Um, so we want to look at externals. And even the definition says, like the prospect of something good coming to us. But um, instead of looking to that, we can look to Jesus. We'll, yeah, we'll actually get to that here in a little bit. <clears throat> just for the behind the scenes look, we don't work on this together most of the time and have this conversation until we get up here. So you get the first cut. It's not, it's not we've sat down and just meticulously planned a conversation at all. This is raw. This is, you know, like live TV. For those of you that missed the old Jerry Springer show, uh, <laughs> the, this is unscripted. People miss that show. I don't think people miss that show at all. <laughs> I don't know. 
I mean, the Christmas version of that, Joseph, you are not the father. Anyway, we're digressing rapidly, so let's get back on track. And this must have been, this, this conversation has been painful to get to. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't, it's been one of those days. It's been one of those days. So maybe the enemy doesn't want you guys to hear this, so I will just say it louder that God can give us joy. That God can give us joy. And, it and must be really important because it's been really hard to get to this spot. <laughs> this, this was another definition that Webster put in in 1826 that joy is a delight of the mind from the consideration of the present or assured or approaching possession of a good. Thinking about what's coming next instead of being stuck in where you are in the moment. Being able to think about what you're going to get by going through what you're going through. And then Webster in his 1826, if you, if you get to go back to those early Webster's dictionaries, they have biblical references. It's one of my favorite things is uh, there's the old Webster's app, and sometime I'll show you the picture of it. That's why I use it, because it has biblical references. And this was the verse that it brought. And this is the verse that came to mind when... When she told me that, hey, this week in Advent is joy. This was the first scripture that came to mind. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The King James says the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. How did Jesus just go through all of that? We, we like to be really cliche and say that, that he, well, he was the son of God. Of course, he, he knew he had to go to the cross. He knew he had to die. No, scripture tells us for the joy, what came after the cross, the joy of that relationship with us is the reason that he went to the cross. The joy that was set before him. I hate lifting weights. I hate them. With every fiber of my being, I hate lifting weights. I hate working out. But man, when I do it consistently, I love how my body looks and feels. So sometimes when I get up to go work out, I have to remind myself, this is not pleasant. This is not fun at all. But what comes after is... Being able to get on the floor and just absolutely manhandle my kids in a wrestling match. I've got to do it to stay ahead of the 14-year-old because he lifts weights. He's doing jujitsu too. We, I got to stay ahead of him because as long as I can, I'm gonna whip that little sucker. And he ain't so little anymore. But, but we get that mindset sometimes that and we get stuck if we're being real is we get stuck we we get stuck in the i don't have or or i can't do or 
or the circumstance of our day, we get stuck. And, and I want you to know that in those days, you can still find the joy of the Lord when you remember the Word of God. And, and the Word of God is one of the key elements to finding joy. Because when you know the Word of God and you know what it says, you know that what you're going through, Paul phrases it in our light and temporary circumstances. I'm telling you, I have multiple friends that are going through circumstances that do not feel light. And, and for some of them, they've drug on so long, it definitely doesn't feel temporary. But they're, they're producing an inheritance that's everlasting. Paul said that, that what comes after all of this is eternal. And for that reason, you should be joyful. I, that's hard to do. I, I don't know that I could walk into OU Children's and tell Kyler and Michaela to be joyful this morning. I don't know that I could tell them that. But the Word of God can bring them a hope and remind them of the joy of the Lord that far outweighs this moment. And it reminds them that they're held in the hand of an eternal God and nothing can take them out of His hand. Why do we need joy? Because we live in a world that's pretty terrible. And, and it's not terrible because God made it that way. God made it good and mankind has just come up with new ways to make it terrible. This is where it's easy to step on my political platform. I'm not going to. <clears throat> I blame the Tuttle Twins. I can tie everything to government because of the Tuttle Twins now. My kids didn't even, didn't even look at me when I said it. Man, that cartoon is failing. It's such a good cartoon, though. If you get to watch it on Angel Network, it's fun. Why do we need joy? Because sometimes the Christmas gift you get is awful like a bunny suit. Her uncle has this bunny suit. It's great. See, she, she never knows what's coming into this thing. It's great. But in Nehemiah, giving you the background for this, after they have, have been working very hard to build the wall, God didn't want to just rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He wanted to rebuild the faith of the people that were still there. And for the first time in numerous years, I'm not going to say the exact number because I'll mess it up and I don't remember right now. But for the first time, they're hearing the word, the law of God read aloud, and it absolutely breaks their hearts. And I want you to understand that there's things around the Christmas season, memories, moments, and even at times, the Word of God will absolutely break your heart in this season. And God wants to remind you that in Him, there's joy. And it says in Nehemiah chapter 8, they read from the book and from the law of God clearly, and they gave sense so the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. 
do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. I mean, that right there is a Christmas message. Go celebrate. And if you know somebody who needs help celebrating, help them. That's a free sidebar. (laughs) For this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I mean, if you want to memorize one passage of Scripture, you don't even have to know the whole address and everything else, but just that phrase from Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because can anyone take God's joy away? No. So if that joy becomes your strength, can anyone take your strength from you? Whoo, look out, Samson. I need the organ. <laughs> so, so how do we respond? And, and we've asked a few questions throughout here. And I keep looking over here at Denise's live look in on the Facebook feed, hoping that somebody's going to start throwing some more conversation to us. I'm looking at this whole row of young people, and I'm so impressed none of them have their phone out. And then there's a part of me that's like, guys, you can have your phone out. You can be on Facebook Live. You can be part of the service. And now they're like, wait, what? Yeah. It's our college crew. They're home for people that can't see who's behind the camera. But how do we respond as Christians? How do we respond to this season? And, and we open by talking about how tough it can be for others and how tough some of us honestly feel it is for us. How do we respond? In Luke chapter 2, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy, that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So we read this last week. And we got to talk about the peace that the angels talked about. But we're going to look at, we're looking here at the shepherd's response. Um, when they heard this message and when they saw the baby, what did they do with that? And they, now, if you, my Sunday school class was a little out of control. 
<laughs> and I think Breland had to like come in there and rally the troops a little bit there. But um, we did a little acting out, didn't we, this morning? Yeah. And when you shepherds were, had your part, did you just stand there? No, Chubby's like, no, we did not just stand there. No, they were running around the room and they were reading their part that said, you know, Jesus is born and Jesus. And so, uh, and we talked about that we don't want to leave the Jesus out of Christmas, that we want to make sure that we include that. And so the shepherds have this joyful response to this news and they want to tell everybody about it. Um, and so I wanted to make sure we got the shepherds in there again. I know we talked about them last week, but um, how did they react and what was their what was their response to the good news? And, and for us, it's something where in, in this season we need to be like the shepherds and in that that a we we hear and we understand the message and we've experienced it for ourselves. the the shepherds didn't just sit on the hillside after the angel showed up and said wow that's really cool they went and they saw it for themselves and and, and something that that i hope each and every person in this room has has seen that Jesus is their Savior. That Jesus did come for them. That, that the joy the angels spoke of that was for all mankind was for them. And then, not just that, but that Jesus lived. He lived a life perfectly free of sin and then He died a death that He didn't deserve to die. And he died for our sins and, and he rose from the grave to show us that God had power over everything we struggle with. That, that we're still going to struggle in this life. That, that it's still going to be a fight. But at the end of it, there's joy. And, and all of this stuff the, that we struggle and we're burdened with is going to pass away. Are we like the, the shepherds? Are we going to see it for ourselves? But then that's not where it stops. The shepherds leave and they go tell everyone they meet. And, and I don't think that was a quiet telling through the streets. I, I think the shepherds made a lot of noise about Jesus. Are, are we making a lot of noise about Jesus in this season? Are we telling everyone that this is a celebration that Jesus was born? And, and not in a get rid of Santa Claus or fight putting X in Christmas or any of that nonsense, but genuinely reaching out to people People that we may not interact with. Do you know how many people the shepherds told on their way? We don't have a number. But you know how many of them they interacted with on a daily basis? None of them. Shepherds didn't just come to town every day. They hang out in the field with dirty, smelly sheep. They're going through town, going and telling everyone they meet. Didn't matter if it was the 
the richest scribe or Pharisee or, or tax collector or the lowest slave stepping out of somebody's house to dump a chamber pot. They were going to tell them about Jesus. So what is our response? Our response is to tell people about Jesus. But, but preacher, you don't understand. They, they do this, this, and this. Well, you are a sinner too. Quit judging their sin because it's different than yours. They need the same Jesus you did. You were once just a smelly, dirty shepherd until the Word of God showed up like an angel in your life and you got to go see Jesus for yourself. A lot of you want to think you're the angels in the story. That's okay. But I'm telling you, when you find yourself as the shepherd, you'll, you'll do exactly what, what our friend online Brent Taylor said. You, you're going to respond in service and love and, and being present in how you deal with people. Because they're not going to learn about Jesus just from sitting on the sidelines of your life. I, I love and hate that quote of St. Francis of Assisi that says, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. That, that's completely not scriptural. The Bible says, how will they know if nobody tells them? How will they hear if no one preaches to them? And the book of Revelation is even more clear. It says that you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You want people to know about Jesus, tell them what He did for you. You don't have to run out of the church screaming and, and being weird. The shepherds were probably a lot weird that night, and that's okay too. If that's, that's who God made you to be, be weird. But we're called to go and to share the Word of God. And to share joy. And sometimes that just means that you have the quiet strength to endure a hard time. Other times it means you be, need to be the bubbly, spastic elf person at the Christmas party. Be who God's called you to be and operate in the fullness of the strength of His joy. Can you imagine how exciting it was for, for God to see Jesus born? I mean, that's like phase one of the rescue plan. And, and God's probably just, I think He inspired that quote in the A-team, I love it when a plan comes together. Because it came exactly how He wanted it to. Just like the encounters you're going to have this week, they're going to come together exactly how God wants them to. But you have to choose joy. Joy is a choice. A lot of times we, we act like our feelings are not a choice, but you can choose joy. You can choose the fact that I'm going to be joyful in this because I know what comes after. On my worst day, if God gives me another day, I live past the worst day of my life. And 
even if I get back to back to back worst days of my life, God's going to keep that streak alive where I survive it or I step into the best day of eternity. That's a great joke without telling a joke there. Man, I'm glad that eternity is one day that doesn't end. Anything else? All right. Heavenly Father.